Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash my money health check. Hello and welcome, I'm Rob Lilly and this is the Witch Shorts Podcast. First this week, a question. How and where do you listen to these episodes? I'd love to know, drop us a message in the comments or leave us a review wherever you're listening. Perhaps you tuned into our previous episode while trying to keep cool in the recent hot weather. Our aim on this podcast is simple, bringing you the very best articles from across witch.co.uk and our magazines. This week, and this seems ironic given our recent temperatures, we're heading to Spain and discovering the hidden gems found inland and exploring historic towns you'll want to visit immediately as soon as you've finished listening. After you're done, don't forget to leave us a review and a rating too and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. So on to this week's episode. To read us this article, originally written by James Stewart, I'll hand you over to Laura Sanders. There is no way to tell quite when you enter Old Spain. No road sign on the A6 or A51 autovias northwest from Madrid bids you welcome. There are few people to ask as the route slices through mountains. It's more a gut feeling that you've arrived. You swoop down a plain, crest a low hill, then suddenly enter the Middle Ages, a pipsqueak city before a backdrop of mountains bound by castellated walls and towers, its skyline punctuated by bell towers. A villa looks like an encampment of crusaders, or those images of walled cities you see in medieval paintings. You half expect a pageant to pass, its banners fluttering in the breeze. With the removal of COVID testing for arrivals, Spain is primed to resume its pre-pandemic status as the world's second most popular tourism destination after France. For many of us, that means a return to uncomplicated costas or smart Balearic villas, or perhaps to long weekends in buzzy capitals like Barcelona or Seville. Yet before the coast's development from the 1950s, Spain was visited more for its inland, a place of hard widescreen landscapes, of romantic castles, of fierce Catholic piety. You find the lot within two hours of Madrid in Castile and Leon. Even the Spanish tourist board calls this unknown Spain, and that's why you should visit. Viva España indeed! Segovia is the famous day trip from Madrid. That a villa is the same distance but mostly ignored is one reason it gets my vote. The other is that a villa epitomises old Spain, its turbulent history, its profound religiosity. You can't miss that history. Fortifications from the 11th century when this was the battleground of the Reconquista encircle the town. 
The UNESCO listed the local tourist board notes. It claimed the walls 1.5 miles, 88 towers and nine gates are the best you'll see in the world. Carcassonne and Dubrovnik may have thoughts about that, but the fortifications are very impressive. Within Avila, the past is so present you can almost smell it. There are slab-sided granite palaces boxing in squares. Council workers go to the office in a medieval keep. The cathedral is a soaring early Gothic barn. I'm so busy gawping, it's a while before I notice the number of nuns. It turns out Avila has its own mystic, very old Spain too, I suppose. Saint Teresa of Avila is an intriguingly modern figure, headstrong, adventurous, want to answer back if criticised by divine voices. Her 16th century aphorisms read like inspirational Instagram memes, pain is never permanent, be gentle to all and stern with yourself. She sits on a square outside the Carmelite convent where her vocation began in 1535, her bronze right hand shiny from being touched for luck. A sign nearby reads Sala de Reliquias, Room of Relics. How can I resist? The attendant flicks a switch and lights flicker on in display cases. Here are Teresa's rosary beads and the crucifix she carries by mule cart throughout Spain. A reliquary contains the rope sole of her sandal among dried flowers. Another holds the ring finger of her right hand, tobacco brown from age, still wearing a gold ring. General Franco kept it by his bedside, rather him than me. Is she still venerated, I wonder? The attendant looks affronted. She's our saint and the second saint in Spain after Santiago. Of course she is important. Pilgrims visit all the time. You should return in summer. I return instead to walk the wall's ramparts. At first it's thrilling, a view of Reconquista soldiers on the frontier of Christendom, terracotta roofs on one side, scrubby hills on the other. Then you notice something else. Life, apartment blocks, most cafes and shops, even traffic, has shifted outside into a new town. Older Vila may be beautiful, but it isn't really alive. It's time to move. I go west across the high-rolling Meseta, a plateau whose infinite horizons leave you giddy. After an hour, I'm crossing the Tormes River into Salamanca, La Cuidad Dorada, the city of gold. If Avila is a place of hard granite, Salamanca is one of warm sandstone. I wouldn't usually mention raw materials, but this helps explain why Salamanca is indecently beautiful. Sandstone causes the town to change colour slyly over a day, from burned honey to pale shortbread at noon, then blushing pink before dusk. It also brings lightness to a city from Spain's golden age. The two cathedrals are carved with ruffs and frills. One of Europe's original universities, founded at the same time as Oxbridge, has joyful froth, not brute swagger. Salamanca can also thank the university for its heady mix of erudition and fizzing vitality from thousands of students having a ball. The public library is in a renaissance courtyard. Quotes of famous residents, such as Cervantes, are written in stylized script on walls. Sooner or later you'll wind up in Plaza Mayor. 
Frankly, I'd suggest a visit solely to see its film set perfection, all wraparound Baroque colonnades, shutters and balconies. And yet Salamanca isn't even one of Spain's top 10 most visited places. Benidorm receives more people. You never get used to so much beauty, Maria Jose tells me as I goggle. She stands under a parasol in the centre of the square, tooting for business as a tour guide. Every day I think I'm so lucky to live here. We're one of only 15 UNESCO cities in Spain. And the food, she whistles, that's why I've come. Salamanca may be the best Spanish food destination you've never considered. Anthony Bourdain, the American culinary legend, said that if God made ham, the jamón imbérico from Salamanca would be it. This is Pata Negra territory, land of the much-fabled acorn-fed black pig. Every street around Plaza Mayor is deep with tables. I returned to feast that evening with tips from my concierge, Calle Sanchez Barbero, the street that is home to the Michelin critic's favourite, Tapas 3. And the parallel street, Calle Felipe Espino, where you find Gastro Tasca, Gastro Bar, Tapas 2. I start there with some classics, a plate of bolota, literally acorn, ham, patatas muy bravas and fried squid. I'm pondering another plate when the waiter stops me. Just for you? That's enough to start. A waiter telling you not to order more? You don't see that in celebrated tapas destinations like San Sebastian. The squid and bravas are delicious. The ham is astonishing. Silky, nutty, it melts on my tongue. I drift afterwards with the paseo, the leisurely evening stroll with friends and families. On Rua Mayor, a busker makes his violin weep and a puppeteer performs wearing a red uniform with gold epaulettes. The chatter is as noisy and bright as castanets. When floodlights illuminate Plaza Mayor, there's a collective ooh and a ripple of applause. In short, Salamanca is wildly romantic. The waiter at Tapas 2.0 was wrong, though. Later at Bamboo, crisply modern behind an old door, I sit at a counter savouring refined plates of chicken cannelloni, then chickpeas with monkfish, and watch the calm theatre of chefs at the top of their game. I stop afterwards for a glass of red at a traditional tapas bar where drinkers spill into the street. After bamboo, Doctrinos is boisterous and unpretentious. Barmen slice furiously at hanging hams and slam down plates on the bar. It's noisy, life-affirming, fun. Pure Salamanca. I mentioned widescreen landscapes earlier. An hour south of Salamanca, they extend an immense barrier across the horizon, like a landfall after the Meseta. This is the lost national park of central Spain. Even Madridinos don't go, said the concierge in Salamanca. That seems a shame because the region is big on the things that you want from a getaway. Timeless villages and big scenery, inky nights boiling with stars, peace. If you're up for hiking, trails climb into the high country you'll share only with ibex. The best day walk is to the Senda de Laguna Grande, a glacial lake among the range's highest peaks. Birders rate it for huge griffon vultures. Me? I'm on a mini road trip fuelled by a line from St Teresa. To reach something good, it is very useful to have gone astray. From Barco de Gredos, I drive east through huddled villages toughing it on northern slopes gnawed by the weather.
Then the road swings south through a pass and I enter a different season. The valley ahead is lush with chestnuts and oak. Here and there are terraces of olives and figs. The change is as glorious as it is sudden. If your holiday essentials include yoga and craft beers, I'd give the artisans a few years to get established around here. If, however, you're seeking one of those serendipitous, utopian backwaters where man and nature exist in harmony, come soon to explore a region Spanish travel writers are calling the Andalusia of Avila. In Cueva de Val village, I amble through a knot of cobbled lanes. Wooden balconies carved with flower heads jut from creaky, half-timbered houses. A crate of cider calls in an ancient water trough. Nearby Mombotran has a castle as romantic as any in Spain. Its ramparts and towers fit for a swords and sandals remake of El Cid. A gift shop? As if. Candelada has a modest hotel, but otherwise the small town greets tourism with a shrug. John Major came for his annual holidays, they've returned to the honour by naming a street after him, which seems peculiar until you learn that he visited for the real Spain. It's certainly that. On Plaza Mayor, an old boy in a straw hat and slippers suns himself like a cat on a bench while local kids noisily kick a football. On Plaza del Castillo, I can picture the former Prime Minister among chattering families with a beer. No wonder he returned. Candelada must have felt very far indeed from Westminster. Yet change may be coming. Intrepid winemakers are snapping up farmers' plots of old vines in southeast Gredos. Some wine critics talk excitedly of world-class boutique winemaking, of a terrier that is to Grenache, what Rhone is to Syrah, and Burgundy to Pinot Noir. In 2013, Feliciano Conde bought tiny plots of 100-year-old vines around Lanzajita after the farmer threw in the pruning shears. Now he stands in chinos and a Panama hat outside the barn of Huelas del Tieta, explaining how cultivation at his family vineyard is by hand, how small plots require less intervention against bacteria, how yield are so low that vintages rarely exceed 3,000 bottles, but quality is high. You're not coming to me for wine tips, I realise, but the stuff I sampled is superb. The white, delicate. The rosé, dangerously delicious. The red, nicely chewy. The location is just as splendid. Crickets chirrup in the grass. Mountains jut into a flawless sky. It is utterly blissful. It crosses my mind that if Castile and Leon is astray by today's metric, it may be time to reevaluate what we're after from Spanish tourism. The real Spain of soulful villages and secret vineyards, of historic religious towns and brilliant regional food, should be exactly the sort of place we seek rather than a tourist focused coast. It certainly used to be. Other hidden corners wait to be found. I didn't mention them, but they're easy to discover for yourself. All you have to do is go astray. Direct flights operate to Madrid's Barajas International Airport year-round from Birmingham, Bristol, London Airports, Heathrow, Gatwick and Stansted, Liverpool, Manchester and Edinburgh. Travel from London to Madrid by high-speed train is possible via Paris, then Barcelona. Just allow two days for the trip with an overnight stop in either Paris or Barcelona. Direct train and bus services run from Madrid to Avila and Salamanca, but you'll need a car to tour the Sierra de Gredos. 
Thank you to Laura and to James Stewart too, whose original work was published in the July issue of the Witch Travel magazine. Remember, you can find more articles you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters. You can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. Oh, and if you like this podcast, then why not check out Witch Investigates? We're releasing new episodes every other Monday as we deep dive into the everyday issues that matter to you. Just search Witch Investigates wherever you're listening to this. And we've even popped the latest episode in this timeline so you can have a listen to. We'll be back next week for another episode of Witch Shorts. Thanks for listening. Witch Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Farker.